Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are going to continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And last week we finished off on uh, verse 11. I'll pick up there today. And chapter 12 is really covering the church and spirituality. Those are two things. And we, we talked about early on about the gifts. The gifts are in those verses 1 through 11. Paul talks about the gifts. He writes concerning the gifts. But in all of these things, Paul has been addressing uh, a problem in the Corinthian fellowship, and that is carnality. And as we said many times before, that carnality was affecting their perspective of who they were and who God is. Now let me just tell you something. Carnality is not just bad behavior. Carnality is not just bad behavior. Carnality is a belief system. It's a man-centered belief system that says that I only believe what I can experience from my body, and I live from this body. I live to the appetites of this body. You see, people who live a man-centered life, they only see their spirituality as just a part of their life, not their life, not who they are. Well, the Corinthians were fleshy, and that's why they had issues with cliques and divisions that's why they tolerated sin. That's why they were suing each other, stealing from each other. They were dealing with gluttony, drunkenness, and immorality. And what's bad was all of this was going on within the church. It was going on within the fellowship among the people. You see, when it comes to carnality, when it comes to the Christian who chooses to live according to the flesh, there's very little difference between them and the lost man. They're driven by the same thing. The only difference is this guy over here is not being true to who he is. And this guy over here, the lost man, is being completely true to who he is. Absolutely at odds with God and with truth. That's the difference. This guy over here, the Christian who's living a sinful life, is living a duality. Because he is one thing, but he lives like something else. So he's conflicted. Well, you know a conflicted person is a miserable person. So you'll see happier lost people than a lot of Christians. And that always bothered me. Christians should be happier than the lost, right? Don't these guys know they're going to hell? But the reason for it is that the Christian was living a duality, or is living a duality. The lost man is not. Well, let's begin by reading our text today. I'm going to read uh, from the Amplified Bible. I'll be reading chapter 12, verses 11 through 14. Chapter 12, verses 11 through 14. Verse 11 reads, All these gifts, achievements, abilities, he's talking about the ones he mentioned before in verses 1 through 11, are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit, who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses 
For just as the body is a unity, and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. For by means of the personal agency of the one Holy Spirit, we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized and by baptism united together into one body, and made all to drink of the one Holy Spirit. For the body does not consist of one limb or organ, but of many. Now, there's a very clear message that the Spirit of God is impressing upon us here in these verses. Look at verse 11 first. All these gifts, achievements, abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. Now, I want you to notice the sovereignty of God in that. God created order and function, and he didn't leave it to the device of man in this. The gifts are not earned. They're called gifts. Now, I know that there's some theology floating around there, or I should say some heresy floating around out there, that says that we can do certain things to achieve certain gifts, but it is very clear here that those gifts are not earned. They are gifts. They are gifts that are given, so no man can acquire them as he chooses. They're both inspired and instituted by the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit. So they don't gain based on what a man does or diminish based on what a man does. Okay? So he doesn't have the remote in his hand. There is no mention of man's talents or natural abilities or quality of his faith or how good he looks on television. None of that's in there. The gifts are apportioned. What that means is that The Spirit determines how much of a gift and what gifts you get. Nobody's given the same amount. Nobody's given the same quantity. And it is given to each person. Look at that. Every person. That means every child of God. Oh, now wait a minute. There's some that don't get it. Oh, no, that's not true. They all get the gift. They all get a gift from the Spirit of God because they get the Spirit of God. Nobody is left out. It is given to every child of God, and every child of God receives from the Spirit of God a unique blending and quality and quantity of the gifts that are going to be their personal spiritual expression. So we run into some serious problems theologically when we try to, first of all, say that there are better gifts than others and that we can excel in those gifts above others. What we have done is we have converted our understanding of who we are spiritually into a man-centered perspective, a man-centered faith. And why would we want to do that? Well, so we can stand out. That's the only reason that's done. So we can compare ourselves to others. Does it sound like God's in that? Absolutely not. It is a unique blending of quantity of gifts that everyone has, and it is uniquely expressed. Now, go back and look at this. It is the Spirit of God is doing the giving, and He is specific in what is given. He is proportioning it. 
That's meaning the quantity. He is empowering it, the frequency of its use, the time, the place of its use. All of these things are determined by the Spirit of God. So what part do you play in it? Simply yielding. Simply yielding. Now, we talk a lot about yielding to the work of the Spirit. I want you to understand something. There is only one thing that obscures the truth of who you are. You know what that is? Flesh. It obscures the truth. So when I talk about yielding, what I am saying in that is that you literally accept, embrace, and exhibit the truth of who you are. That's what yielding is. I'm not, I'm not asking you to yield so that the Spirit of God can visit itself upon you and create in you and make you into something that you're not. A lot of people preach it that way. But it's very clear in the Word of God that you are already a new creation, that you've already been formed in His image, that you are already shaped and, and molded by Him. This is not something that needs to be done. This is something that He has done in you. So when I say yield, I'm not saying, come on, Spirit, do it to me. I'm saying, thank God it is finished, it is done, I'm going to yield to it. Well, that's an important perspective. Because if, it, if I look back at my spiritual walk, I spent a lot of time waiting for God to get some stuff done. As far as I was concerned, he had a lot of work to do in order for me to be all that I thought I should be. What part do we play? Simply yielding. The gifts are part of the uniqueness of your spiritual personality. They are the work of the Spirit of God in union with us, through us. They're not just the Spirit. And they're not just you. Well, now, how does that work? Well, we all have heard the illustration. If you're drinking iced tea, are you just drinking tea or are you drinking water? Well, you're drinking both. The two have become one. If you've received the Spirit of God, the two have become one. That doesn't mean that you've become God. It means that you've become a plural being, a new creation that literally functions from the life of God within. And you know who was the first one to do that? Jesus. Jesus. He was the first one to come down there. He set aside his divinity in order to function with the life from the Father and from the Spirit, and he functioned in plurality with the Father's life and with the Spirit's unction, and that is how he lived. Everything he did, he did by the Father. Well, why would he do it that way? Because that is the way. He was the firstborn among many brethren. You are brethren, by the way. Even you, sister, are brethren. You are brethren, born of God into the uniqueness of this new creation. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. How many? One. You can see how spiritual gifting had been distorted in the Corinthian church by carnality. The gifts had become a basis for comparison in order to judge and exalt man over man. They believed that those who were superior could attain the gifts that they had deemed superior. This is not superior. This is not spiritual. It is the pride of man seeking to be deemed significant by what he can do. 
Does that sound familiar? You know, reality, the truth is before us, isn't it? God demonstrates it in our humanity. We are, when we are born as babies, we're dependent, right? And when we get old, we find out we're dependent again. And all through life, in between those two places, we're continually proven to be weak, inadequate, vulnerable, and dependent. I mean, that's the journey of life, isn't it? God demonstrates for us through our humanity the truth that we will live in in our spirituality. And you know what? It's cool because every time I recognize how weak I am in my flesh, how weak I am in my humanity, how vulnerable I am, I recognize that it is by His strength, His life, that I have any strength at all. Any. It is not for the child of God to stand out in independence or pride. We were created to know our dependence upon Christ and know Christ is life. If we could just see ourselves the way God sees us, we would never, ever again envy another human being, would we? If we could see ourselves as the way, the way God sees us, we wouldn't envy another human being. We would be excited to be and to function as God made us. Are you excited about being who God made you to be? Not about what you might become. So many Christians are living to what they're going to become. They're not living to who they are. But if you could see yourself the way God sees you, you would see why the angels above you are are literally praising God for you. You are an edifice of His grand work. could see yourself the way He does. You would follow your pursuits with freedom and joy without the fear of failure or critique, wouldn't you? You would have freedom of expression without the fear of man's rejection. Obedience and devotion would be a blessing that is as normal as a good meal. It would just be natural for you. Now look, I'm not talking about pie in the sky. I'm talking about where you are right now. I'm talking about in your condition where you sit right now at this place in your life. I'm going to tell you that as a child of God, if you could just get a picture of how God sees you, you would walk out of here ten feet off the ground. All of your fears, your worries, your anxieties, your hopes and dreams for the future, and then your expectations of failure, all of that would be gone because you would be living the dream. You would be living the blessing. You would have much abundant life. I don't mean that you don't possess it now. I believe that you have everything you need in Christ. I believe that every one of you is abundantly blessed with all that Christ can give you. I believe you're absolutely complete. I believe that Jesus took every one of your failures, your mistakes, your ineptness, everything about you that was contrary to truth and left it at the cross. Not only those that you've done, but those that you will do. The person that was resurrected with Christ Jesus was resurrected in perfection and sits with him before the throne of God. And he's excited about you. You're going to let this world prove out to you what is real? You're going to let your emotions tell you what is true? No. 
Our spiritual uniqueness is freedom. It is liberty. You know, my God doesn't compare me to anyone else. So I don't know why I do. But He doesn't. He is not looking to me to be like any other created being. You know what? He doesn't even... Now this is... this. Please wait and hear me out on this. He doesn't want me to be like Jesus. Everybody goes, oh, wait a minute. Grabbing hymnals. He doesn't want me to be like Jesus. He wants me to be like Todd with Christ's life. That's what he wants me to be. Now, do you think I could do that? I think he's already done it in me. Do you think that's something I have to be able to create? No. It's already created. Your uniqueness is liberty. Your uniqueness is freedom. The gifts are just a vehicle through which you can express your union with His Spirit. Your God loves you like nobody else. Your God is wanting you to be like you. The you that He created you to be as a new creation. You are, not going to be, but are the workmanship of God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined. I always like that. Born again so that we may do. He didn't say born again so that we may learn and train and get to the place where we might be able to do. Right? He says born again that we may do. Those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. Who prepares your path? He does. Does He do that when you hand Him the plan? Because I've been worried to death. I've tried to have several consultations with Him and He just does not listen. You notice that? And I, I sit down with Him. I say, okay, I've got this mapped out, Lord. I've done the reconnaissance. I know exactly how it's all got to go. And you know, even when I know all that, I don't have any rest. The only place I have rest is when I recognize that I'm the sheep and he's the shepherd. And guess what? He's got a plan. You all know that. But it doesn't hurt to be reminded. Right? Plan before and taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. That doesn't say consider. Think about. It says walk in. That means live. Living in the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Do you see the freedom there? Do you see it? I mean, you might have come in here with all kinds of things weighing down on you. The what ifs and shoulda, woulda, couldas and the how am I going to and what's going to happen and what if this doesn't happen. And all of these things may have weighed down on you and you are really worried because you know how lousy you are doing all of these things, right? You have a history with failure. And you're not interested in watching yourself fail again. And you know what your problem is? You have defined failure all wrong. Because it's not even in God's dictionary for you. It's just not there. Why? Jesus paid it all. We are so blessed with freedom. Freedom to love and know we are loved. We can stop trying to live to the standard of man and know that the standard of God has been met in Christ who is our life. In the body of Christ, there is uniqueness, completeness, diversity, and unity. All of those things. Let's look at verse 12. It says, For just as the body is a unity and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now here's what you've got to understand. The body of Christ is not an organization. 
The church is not an organization. It's an organism. Every metaphor that Scripture uses, it is presented as a living organization. The church is a bride. The church is branches on the vine. The church is a flock. The church is a family. The church is a body. Every one of those things are living organisms. They have life. They have reality. They have structure. And what they do is they function in dependence, every one of them. Now here's Paul using the body to illustrate the truth of the church. He says, we, that is all of us, form a body. Our form and function is in conformity to the person of Christ. Now here at His Life, we're constantly reaffirming the truth of who you are. We're constantly pointing out who you are in Christ. And it's important for you to see yourself the way God created you. If a fish sees itself as a bird, he's going to have difficulty living and functioning normally, isn't he? It's just not going to work for him. What, what you have to see is who you are in order to function, whether you feel it or not, in the truth of it. Now, I have read many articles on the decline of the church and the problem of congregations who always seem to have greater priorities than corporate worship or the gathering of the body. Many have a flesh-centered perspective of spiritual liberty, so they see it as liberty to be able to be part of corporate worship as it suits them. They can take it or leave it, and they have no sense of belonging. If they're oppressed, they'll tell you that the problem is the church doesn't minister to them, that it fails to meet their needs or their expectation. They'll give you all kinds of reasons. But the reality is that they have no appetite. They really don't. Their liberty is fleshy. That's a fleshy liberty. That's not a spiritual liberty. How many of you heard the Latin phrase, e pluribus unum? Y'all familiar with that? It means out of many, one. Out of many, one. We are one. We function as one, whether you recognize it or not. This oneness is vital. It's not optional. Because of our physical condition, we worship and gather separately. However, it is God who decides how we come together. It's no accident that you're here. This wasn't a random choice that you made. The body operates as one, but in parts. A body part that chooses to operate independently will start dying and bring corruption into the body. Now, if you look at the end of this verse, you see where it says, So it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. In other words, folks, this is how Christ functions. This is not just an alternative reality. This is not just some kind of ethereal dogma. This is the reality of Christ's body as God ordained it to be. And he says, so it is with Christ. Christ operated on the earth in oneness with the Godhead. As man, he never saw himself as a separate entity, did he? Not once. There was no division in him. He recognized his dependence and his union. Union was literally the source of his obedience. By his own confession, he was yielded to the Godhead's purpose in all things. Now, we as the body find our function in unity. Your uniqueness, your diversity was never given to foster independence so that you could stand out and say, well, they're just not like me. That's not why God gave it to you. It was your uniqueness, your spiritual diversity, the way that he created you that's like none other, was created in such a way 
to lend beauty and substance to the whole. Now, we want to see ourselves as special individually to God, and yet, yes, we are. But I want to tell you that God looks at us as a whole, as a whole, the body of Christ. Look at the truth of that, where he clearly says, this is the way Christ operates. We are to operate the same way, in unity as a whole. Look at verse 13. For by means of the personal agency of one Holy Spirit, we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized and by baptism united together into one body, and all made to drink of one Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.